Hello everyone and welcome back to Digging Through the Scraps with Junk Lord Jack. I'm your host Jack Thomas and this is our second episode. Yes, we made it through the first one relatively unharmed and have returned to bring you your weekly dose of unique stories, interesting culture, and outrageous opinions. Also, I'm proud to announce that Digging Through the Scraps is now available on almost 10 different platforms including Anchor FM, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, and YouTube. So no matter your preferred platform, you can always listen to Digging Through the Scraps. Oh, and just a heads up, if you like free stuff, make sure you stay tuned till the end of the episode. Now, the first thing I like to do when beginning a new episode is respond to comments and questions from the previous week. So let's just go ahead and break these down. Didn't receive too many different kinds of comments this week. Most of them just pertain to my name or the name of the show. So I'll sum this up at the same time. Why do I call myself Junk Lord Jack? And why is the show called Digging Through the Scraps? Well, the answer's not really that great. I just wanted a fun 90s sounding radio host name when I came up with this. And I go by Jack, so Junk Lord Jack was the obvious outcome. As far as digging through the scraps goes, I just wanted something that was weird, bizarre, it would catch attention. And that's how we came up with digging through the scraps. But Jack, aren't you aware that there's a character in a kid's cartoon named Junk Lord? Yes, actually I am. I became aware of that when I was researching the name to see if it was available. Never seen the show, but I don't really think it matters as I'm not affiliated with them and they haven't sent me a ceased and desist order. So moving on to our next segment. Our next segment today is tentatively called Sorry Not Sorry. Sorry Not Sorry is a new segment in which I do my best Lena Dunham impression by apologizing for things that I've done, both recent and the past, while not actually having any remorse for my actions and simultaneously making the apology all about myself. I'd like to begin by apologizing to the Huffington Post for absolutely impaling whichever one of their interns had to make the argument that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was offensive. It was very bigoted of me not to just accept your ignorant opinion of something you very obviously didn't bother to research. It's not like you intentionally went out of your way to be controversial in order to gain clicks for a dying media company who hasn't been relevant in the last few years. It was very underhanded of me to bring up pesky little nuances, like context, into a conversation where you very obviously just wanted to make people angry. For shame that someone be a logical voice of reason in a world where we are throwing reason and acceptance out the window in order to be more divisive and exclusive. My second sorry, not sorry, deals with a little bit longer ago in the past. I would also like to apologize to whatever poor woman worked at the McDonald's I used to frequent during my college years. It was very wrong of me to throw an order of large french fries at you when you called me a liar because I didn't receive my Monopoly pieces. Who am I to merely suggest that I receive the game pieces that come along with the food I ordered and instead leave it to your wise judgment and yours alone? It's not like it was said a million times throughout the marketing campaign that an order of large fries netted you four Monopoly pieces. Nope, it couldn't be. You were right and I was wrong and this liar feels terrible about what he did and would never repeat his actions if he ever saw you again. Because I don't hold a grudge, I promise. Now, my fake scripted apologies segue perfectly into the topic that I wanted to cover today, and that is when apologies are actually necessary and where do we, as a society, draw a line on what is and isn't allowed anymore. 
So by now, I'm sure that everyone has heard about the recent Kevin Hart Oscars incident. And I, I don't want to talk about this too much as everyone everywhere has already covered it. But the story basically goes, Kevin Hart made some jokes about gay people back at the beginning of the new decade. Kevin was picked later on to host the Oscars and these new these tweets resurfaced. Kevin says that he had already apologized for offending the LGBT community and didn't want to do so again. But after some backlash, he eventually stepped down as the host of the Oscars and apologized a second time. Now, the reason I'm bringing up Kevin Hart at all is because a few days after he stepped down as the host of the Oscars, Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, what does Kyler Murray winning the Heisman have anything to do with Kevin Hart stepping down from the Oscars? Well, the night that Kyler Murray won the Heisman, just a few hours after giving his acceptance speech, the USA Today released an article in which tweets from Kyler Murray resurfaced in which he called a friend of his a queer. The difference between him and Kevin Hart is very, very simple. Kyler Murray, as it turns out in the USA Today found out the hard way, was 15 when he released these tweets. Now, as everyone knows and has always known, we don't hold kids responsible for things they said when they were kids. The whole reason we don't let kids vote or own guns or drink is because we don't believe that they're mature enough at that age to do so. So then tell me, why, oh, why does the USA Today think that we should crucify someone on arguably the best night of their life for something that they said as a kid? Well, I bet the USA Today doesn't feel that way now because they were absolutely obliterated on social media for attacking someone sideways like this. Now, a few hours later, Kyler came out and apologized, and this is where the real debate lies. Should Kyler have apologized at all? Many people don't seem to think so. Kyler was a kid, and as I've already mentioned in the USA Today found out the hard way, we don't hold adults responsible for statements or jokes they made when they were teenagers. At the same time, some people arguing that this apology was the right thing to do because it serves as a teaching moment for the current generation of teenagers to know that Kyler said some things when he was younger that he isn't proud of and that they can all learn a lesson from someone who they may look up to as this type of thing hurts people. I'll weigh in on the debate with this. When I was a teenager and first really starting to develop my sense of humor, I said some vile, vile things to get a reaction out of people and test where the boundaries were. I made jokes towards people that I would never, ever make now, and that's coming from a guy who to this day enjoys shock humor and thinks that everything can be funny if handled properly. I could never honestly and wholeheartedly apologize for my sense of humor, even if some people found it offensive. I may be sorry that they were hurt by it, but not necessarily that I joked or laughed about something. And I mentioned in last week's episode that I believe it's never really okay to make fun of people for who they are, but it's completely acceptable to make fun of people for what they do or say. And that's where I personally, as an adult, tend to draw the line. However, my situation isn't the same as Kyler's. No one's looking to me to be a role model for children, or at least I hope not because you are going to be sorely, sorely disappointed. But just because Kyler may be a role model, does that necessarily mean that he has an extra responsibility to a bunch of people he doesn't actually owe anything to? Kyler plays football and baseball. It's not like he was democratically elected by a bunch of constituents to do so. So I think it becomes very complicated and there are so many layers to all this that at the end of the day, the only person who really knows if Kyler should apologize is Kyler Murray himself. 
And just when you think that maybe after the USA Today hit piece on Kyler Murray happens, we've finally jumped the shark on celebrity dirt digging, and everyone can go back to being outraged at whatever Donald Trump said this week, PewDiePie returns to the news having to apologize again for something he's done. Now, if you don't know who PewDiePie is, he's the biggest person on YouTube. The man has 76 million subscribers and gets hundreds of millions of views on his videos each week. Last time PewDiePie was in the news, he was the victim of a hit piece against him by the Wall Street Journal that alleged he was an anti-Semite. Everyone knew immediately when this came out that this was nothing more than slander, but that doesn't stop advertisers from freaking out, which then causes YouTube to lose its collective shit. So this time around, PewDiePie is having to apologize because a few days ago, he released a video in which he wanted to give shoutouts to the smaller content creators that he believed weren't getting enough love from people. Well, lo and behold, one of those content creators turns out to be an actual Nazi. Originally, the skeptic in me thought that he did this on purpose and not because he's an anti-Semite or anything, but because I thought he was trying to troll people who had called him a racist in the past. But then the details of this YouTube account come out, and no, it turns out PewDiePie just messed up and gave a shout out to an actual Nazi. He's come forward, he's apologized again for stirring the pot, and again, Different media outlets are up in arms and looking for any possible sign that PewDiePie may secretly be a Nazi, going so far as to blame him for the username of another player in a public lobby on a video game that PewDiePie just happened to be playing in. With reaches like that, writers should get NBA contracts. PewDiePie has stated that he believes this is another coordinated attack on him by media companies and are jealous of the amount of people who watches his content. And look, it's not hard to agree with him. His platform is bigger than any current news outlet in the United States. For all the talking that CNN, Fox News, MSNBC do on their 24-hour network, and for all the talking we do about those stations and their responsibilities, they collectively only get around 4 million viewers a day. PewDiePie gets hundreds of millions. But this is where I want to turn the discussion over to you. Do you think that outrage culture has gone too far by attacking Kyler Murray for his tweets when he was a teenager? Do you think that there should be certain topics that are off limits for comedians? What about PewDiePie? Do you think that his most recent debacle was an accident? Do you think he was trolling? Do you think he did it on purpose? Or do you think that PewDiePie is secretly a Nazi? Tell me what you think. And you can do that by tweeting me on Twitter, at JunkLordJack. Now that we've done my fake apologies and we've talked about some real apologies, I want to jump into some fun and bizarre stories because that's what we're actually about here at Digging Through the Scraps. Our first story comes to us out of Germany, where a chocolate factory recently ran into trouble when one of their tanks overflowed and a metric ton of melted chocolate began pouring down in the middle of the street. A metric ton. For the Americans listening to me, that's over 2,200 pounds of delicious German chocolate just gone. One local commented that they wanted to go and stick their face in it. And while that may sound appealing, anyone looking at the same photos that I did will tell you it looks like a regular old sewage leak and that this wouldn't be the first time around that someone's claimed a substance was chocolate only to turn out to be a liar. Thankfully, no one was hurt during the incident. But German police have a suspect and are currently on the lookout for a short little orange man with green hair, white eyebrows, and a funny outfit. Police also say that he may have accomplices and have asked citizens to be aware of their surroundings and to report any silly songs being sang to the local authorities. Moving on. 
A few days ago, Nigeria's president came forward to his people with a shocking announcement. Mohamedou Buhari addressed his citizens at the UN Climate Change Committee to inform them once and for all, he is not a clone. Yeah, you heard me right. There have apparently been scandals in Nigeria regarding whether or not their president died last year and was replaced by a Sudanese clone. I'm not making this up. This isn't the Oompa Loompa joke a moment ago. There are people in Nigeria, including current political opponents of the president, that believe President Buhari died last year due to an unknown sickness in London. The believers in this theory suggest that he was replaced by a Sudanese man named Jabril, and that Jabril has secretly been leading the country ever since. It's not much of a secret if everybody knows about it. Also, why would the Nigerian president's clone be from Sudan and not, you know, Nigeria? There's got to be some weird in-joke that I'm missing proper context for here, or maybe the Nigerians are secretly weirdly racist towards the Sudanese. I don't know. What I do know is that many people here in the United States wish that their president was a clone of, well, anybody else. And speaking of conspiracy theories, that brings us to our final story of the day. A 2016 study found that, get this, conspiracy theorists are more likely to live stressful lives than non-believers. Yeah, there is nothing funny I can add to that. I just, I've, I've been trying. I've been trying for two years. This article came out two years ago. I still can't turn this one into a joke because sometimes reality is just funnier than fiction. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Digging Through the Scraps with Junk Lord Jack. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode if you liked free stuff to make sure you hung around to the end of today's broadcast. And here's the deal. I believe that we, as a society, have left reality town and are joyfully cruising down the highway to Bizarro World. It's also my belief that the best way to get back to reality town is the education of the populace. And the best and easiest way to do that is to simply just read a good book. So, at the end of this episode and the following two episodes, I will ask a question. At the end of that third episode, I want you to tweet me the answers to all three of my questions. Do that, and you'll be randomly entered to win a $30 gift card to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. It'll be the winner's choice. I'll look over the answers, I'll put all the names of the people who tweeted me the correct answers into one of those raffle ball machines and randomly pull a name. Then, I'll announce the winner publicly on Twitter. So, today's question is going to be an easy one just to make sure that you were listening and paying attention. Who did I mention as the most likely suspect in the German chocolate mishap? Don't tweet at me yet, hold that answer until two shows from now, and then send them all at the same time. Until next time everyone! This has been Digging Through the Scraps with Junk Lord Jack. I am Jack Thomas signing off, and I hope everyone has a good weekend.